So how does it attach this replacement theory? What part of me as a white man could relate to that? What deep well of what does it nudge awake? What personal missing thing? First, if you feel your group is being threatened, you necessarily feel part of a group. Do I? I think so. I think I feel part of something, but I'm not sure if it's specific to being white, but I do know the group some would say I belong to has a history of exterminating other people with intention. There seems to be a tradition even that this is actually good. Religiously, we have thought that if we could convert the rest of humanity to our system of belief, it would be good. We would be saving them. No. Take this to be sincere. First, one imagines oneself saved, probably hopes one is saved, through prayer and deeds. I don't know the system, but this is what I've heard, and I can imagine it. Presumably, the religions before Christianity didn't have this care. This seems to be unique. It seems to be true. This caring for the whole of humanity is Christian. Again, I don't know, but I believe that is the trend, the advertised reality. And for this exploration, that is fine and dandy. So, we Western Christians went forth, go forth, and try and tried very hard to convert non-Christians to save them from evil and damnation. That's what it was called. I know there are other takes on this, but let me... Let them be for the moment. Christians went forth with this mission. Their belief was thought by them to be the best one, the real, the truest one. In fact, even were the pagans to live good lives and not be evil, they were still by definition not saved. So very clearly something here was being replaced, replaced, displaced. Some would say cleansed, saved, I believe is they used a lot. Yes. So far, so good. And the Christians in their best light, their purest form, would be bringing this intention. Jesus wants to save you, us. He wants all, all people to be happy and to feel the great bliss of this realization. And in some sense, if you are a 35-year-old pagan, you are as a child in this regard from their point of view. You haven't gone through the change. You haven't awakened to this great humanity. And that is what is on offer. I don't know any ancient pagans. Well, I, maybe I do. I won't identify them for serious reasons, but I do know some people who are moved by entirely different things than the Christians I know. And I don't think the 35-year-olds are confused about who they are. In fact, their gods seem to sit very easily in them. Maybe it isn't even belief, that's our word, so much as knowing, knowledge. There are stories that they maybe believe, creation myths, etc., like Christians, but not. It really doesn't matter what they are, in fact, these other ways of seeing, only that they are as sure as any Christian. In fact, the believers of these other ways historically seem quite sympathetic with Christianity, sort of like, oh, that's your story of your God, cool, it seems it was the nature of their belief that others could exist. Other beliefs alongside theirs. 
And if that Christian community took over the running of things, an activity they seemed to be very fond of, that was okay. And if they are happier, if I read their book and go to their churches, that is okay. I can accommodate their son-father belief into my own. Maybe after a generation or two, I will develop the anxieties and sadnesses of this religion enough to need the solace of the, the son promises and so on. One thing does lead to another, and the promises of eternity in hell, if I do not accept their young savior into my heart, are certainly pretty scary. Were I a child, and this is the assumption that I am a child, and since paganism seems universally to have some quite light and childish characteristics, pretending to be animals, dancing, admiration, even for some kinds of madness, it makes perfect sense that a Christian European would find me childlike. Or rather, I live as if one were a child of mother nature and not of the will. Related intimately to the natural world, animals, rocks and trees. Assuming that non-Christians, non-Muslims are innocents goes a long way in the good faith's favor. Of course, if these children resist, resort to their animisms, they are in the grip of we all know who, don't we? So much for the Christian fantasy apologists insist was the real intention. And since it is, since it is the myth, the fantasy is vital. So far, so Disney. But any study of the facts on the ground, the blood-soaked soil, leaves us with just the worst behaviors ever. Displacing, genociding, ethnically cleansing, indulged into a historic degree by the ancestors of the archangels in Buffalo, Charleston, Charlottesville, Tulsa, the ones who fantasize they are being replaced. Psychologically, no wonder our psyches are the home of fantasy. Dangerous fantasy. To change the subject, so now the U.S. finds itself perky enough to say, we don't want to recognize the International Criminal Court because they might come after Americans. Well, but apart from the obvious, I did wonder, is the almost reflexive notion that all the forces that have opposed the U.S. during her short history are malignant narcissists, or led by malignant narcissists, a natural response since our collective malignant narcissism is so unprecedented. Perhaps Rome is close, though we can't be sure. A comparable militarism, the British? No doubt, and its exceptionalism continues, if ever so discreetly. But never has one people so wholly embraced the nastiest of nasties, the concept of manifest destiny, so entirely as the U.S. of A. And that great Christian leap of imagination, the chosen of the one God, above all others, seeps into the metabolism of whole centuries, unquestioned, while presumably the dark prince skulks Grendel-like in the fens to the east, grieved as any Amleth, as indiscriminately lethal, standing in for the devil, all propagandas need so desperately to be, in fact, symbiotic with the beast. Years ago on a radio talk show, someone chuckled, a sports talk show, of course, someone chuckled, well, Americans don't like to lose. Ah, 
how lovely to be in, in a world where other nations, persons, thoroughbreds actually like to lose. Man, this covers an ocean of misconstructions. And how will we know we are free of it? Is this not the sad fate of the Democratic Party? We cannot seriously be that awful, can we? Well, the Republicans sure are. Poo on them, then. Except the Republicans do represent much more exactly the attitudes and the bigotries that made the Constitution and the ICC statement was made by a Bidenite. And it seems Democrats do like to lose. They play that role for the sports fan. And again, the nation is about winning. There are many opposites of winning. Being happy is one. And since the winner implies one, it is all really good idea that the rest of us, second place on down, cultivate happiness as an option. There is nothing more subversive to America as saying, I'm good. I am not so weak as to need to demonstrate my strength to all comers, all others, not me. And I've always wondered, since I first heard it at 11, how sad was the statement, we are the greatest nation on the face of the earth. It is so pathetic, one almost forgives the ultraviolence it hath wrought. It is a statement totally ev evidence-free, by the way, revealing its roots in Christianity and the other insanity or two out there. It is so needy. And an 11-year-old thought the grown-ups he had known to date, the few, would never say that. It is the equivalent of my dad's bigger than yours, which is precisely, which precisely is the monotheistic claim. Another interesting recent thing. I have a dear friend who's rich. Not billions rich, millions rich, but probably the same impulses apply. I have been instructed on her values. I really don't have a problem with them, but I don't share them. Not because I find them empty or selfish at all. I don't, but I find them extremely needy. Insatiable, I would add, like the one beer guy who now needs 24 to sleep. Mostly they disturb me because they do displace the self. They are very selfish values because there is no self available. And I did check. I have no secret envy. I love freedom more than anything, I think. And there is only a myth of freedom in wealth. The person seeking it has none, like the self, and hunts it desperately. My friend is hunting heroically, schizophrenically, and the hope in this culture, knowing not the deepest, deep socialist satisfaction of enough, is that there is no value in self-realization. Is that if there is no value in self-realization, we will relentlessly and vacantly shop. Let me say that again. If there is no value in our culture and self-realization, we will relentlessly and vacantly shop. That there is an amount, a sum, that should we attain it, nirvana awaits. Then lying back in, appreciating the Maserati and cooing over the fleet, I was reminded how my life was trundling along with creations involving John Keats, Dylan Thomas, great friends, beautiful dogs, and Shakespeare with the odd perk like first class to New Orleans. How I have enough to follow a creative notion far enough to point 
to the point that it needs big bucks and my work is done and passes on to those strugglers to translate my things into theirs, a widening gulf that I do not need to bridge. And it's also lucky, lucky to have arrived this way and never had to evade or avoid since childhood. And I wonder how all this displaced all that. How my friend is driven by success and by worry and she is beautiful and has that worry too. And how she can easily fit into me without being compromised. But I will never fit into her because I do not mind what I wear or what she wears at dinner. That the finer things in life are fine, but not life. I'm in New Orleans. My seat on the flight down was in first class. The company paid. And every other page on the inline flight mag has seen advertised cosmetic surgery. The rest of the pages sold watches and vacations I must be desperate for with a soulful chat with Liam Neeson about a genuine talent in a silk suit. I wonder if the magazine in economy is the same one. If it is, do they sit behind us and wonder which of us in front is face lifted in envy? The great replacement theory currently in the news simply replaces the great displacement theory on which, by the way, this country was founded. Displacement goes far back to Rome, Greece, etc., Christianized by the discovery doctrine, a papal bull issued by you guess who, and later canters breezily into manifest destiny, which America has preached ever since, inheriting it from the English, French, Spanish, the one indispensable nation. The one irreplaceable nation, she seemed to say. There is even a theory the Germans were aggrieved they couldn't get their act together to do enough displacing in the post-1492 Euro gluttony and so gorged themselves in World War I and II. Now, worldwide, I understand it's hard to find out because you keep ending up with on Google with the racial divides in America, the Euros and descendants have only ever topped out at 20% worldwide. Something to do maybe with their passion for butchering each other. So the notion the replacement is planned as the discovery doctrine was, the final solution was, the wars in the Middle East were, trust me, those white men are projecting so do not trust them. Europeans have been displacing as a habit for a thousand years. Joe Biden says this does not happen in America. Dear boy, it is all that has ever happened in America. And the only people in America or worldwide to ever address it did not look like you. The only mitigating idea ever that right and left offer is that this kind of conquering rapacious behavior is universal. Human nature, they opine with certainty. Well, dears, look at the evidence. Too evident to repeat. And even if the Chinese were really, are really no more than an Albright or a Pope Urban, it is no excuse. And while we're at the population thing, 
and right-wing Euros suggest we don't do our duty enough. It is a European notion, duty, with many applications. Between the sheets, we could also say it takes a village to raise a lot of children. The original is African, not Hillary, by the way. And socialist, metaphorically, in the Euro world, it takes a rich dad to raise one child. Capitalism blatant. So do not patronize the village, the idiot Euro. And since you consume on average 50 times the fossil fuel a third worlder does, we prefer you stay non-fecund. So as you get fractious, if you are being tuckered out, buying guns is the only resort of a culture that never had any other resort, be brave for once and a change. If you are distressed, your time is passing. Be sure the planet, the animals, the rocks and the trees are breathing a great sigh. It might be too late. Your reckless, arrogant reign has left us barely hanging on. And the sooner you leave the stage, the longer we'll have to fix it. You don't have to disappear. We'll not do unto you as you did unto so many. Just change. <laughs>